Mini episode 1189 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode number 1189. We are breaking down a number of different topics here, looking at them in the 2010s and 2020s for the FDH Lounge 13th anniversary. Again, FDH Lounge original dignitary and managing partner Rick Morris here. And for this segment, I have with me fellow FDH Lounge dignitaries Ron Glasnap and John Adams. We are referring to the answers here. We all have these surveys in front of us here from the FDH Academy of Arts and Sciences, a number of contributors to the program. I'll refer everyone back to mini-episode number 1184 if you want to get a little bit of background on some of the contributors on the panel and how we came to be here and what we're doing specifically. But we're going through all these different areas in the 2010s and the 2020s, and we went through some uh, pretty serious ones prior to this, but uh, we have always made room for the Sport of Kings on this show, as it were. Uh, going back to our first episode at the Sports Talk Network, January 14, 2007, and that segment, actually, uh, and much to the bemusement, uh, and, and I'm a little bit, uh, I'm sad that our fellow original dignitary Chris Galloway had to go uh, prior to this segment because of time commitments, because uh, he was kind of rolling his eyes a tad when we did this one. I think it was the first segment we ever did on the show, and Ron, this is a reference that you'll get. This We did a segment on, if you remember when, when K. Allen Fry was the uh, head of WCW in early 1992, he took over from Jim Hurd, and it was before Bill Watts. It was about a six-month period there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, not a name that really stems to mind yeah. you know, normally for wrestling fans. One of the things that stuck out at me was he paid bonuses to whoever had the best match on the card that night. So it became a thing of these wrestlers trying to outdo each other and put on the best matches. And I started thinking to myself, hmm, what about wrestling as an Olympic sport? You know, like the Bulgarian judge of all the thing, 9.8 for brutality, 9.6 for storytelling, 9.5 for athleticism. And like I just read that they're going to add breakdancing to the Olympics? Exactly like that, yes. So it was a thing, and like, not too many people agreed with me on the panel that night, but it was an interesting thing here. So we have a long and unbroken history of covering wrestling here on the show, uh, right down to, if you want to look at all the folks that we've interviewed from there, uh, multiple times with Bret Hart and on and on and on with a couple of these other great legends as well. Some who are no longer with us, unfortunately, Johnny Valiant, Harley Race, etc. But uh, it is a long-standing topic of interest here. So the main storylines, if you will, what could be more fitting than to say it that way, for pro wrestling in the 2010s and 2020s. From our panelists, uh, Tim Trammell said, Pro wrestling in the 2010s was a male soap opera. Pro wrestling in the 2020s, a male soap opera. <laughs> Uh, Simon Applebaum says, 2010s, women's wrestling gets on near equal footing with men. In the 2020s, women's events take on more main event status at WWE slash Impact slash All Elite. Uh, and actually, uh, as he says that, he, he throws Impact in there, even though it's not really one of the big time ones. But we are taping this on the day 
that uh, Tessa Blanchard will be wrestling for the world title at Impact uh, later this evening here, so we don't quite know how that's going to turn out. Uh, I was thought that she was going to win, but she's been in the midst of a social media firestorm in the last 24 hours, so who knows how that'll affect that. Uh, Pro Wrestling in the 2010s, Karen Cahill. Uh, I have not a clue, and she didn't answer for the 2020s. That's fine. That's refreshing honesty. Uh, Pro Wrestling in the 2010s, my brother Mike Morris, the return of Ric Flair. I don't know what he's referring to. I can only assume he means to the WWE after being an impact, but he's not wrestling anymore, so... Who knows? Uh, 2020s, merging of an MMA promotion with a wrestling promotion, co-promotion of events, stars crossing over, further blurring of lines. I know that a lot of MMA fans are butthurt at comparisons to pro wrestling, so I think they'd probably crap on it too much because they're very insecure about people confusing MMA with pro wrestling. So. But they could probably use the promotional mind behind it. Maybe so. Maybe so. And that would be, you know, if you were to actually start, you know, booking MMA in that kind of manner. That could be very interesting to watch. Uh, Tom Denk, pro wrestling in the 2010s, not qualified to answer in the 2020s. Use of fast-acting steroids that are potentially less detectable to impact usage rates of stars. Well, designer steroids have been around for a while now. I think that's what he's referring to, so I, I agree with him. That could be a factor. Matt Patron, uh, 2010s, even though I don't know about it, 2010 Ryan Ward got the right for WWE. Well, an old associate of ours from the Sports Talk Network, Ryan Ward, became a great WWE writer this past decade and has on and off been in there. He was at uh, NXT their first couple of years when they really kind of blew up. So uh, he's right that Ryan is a genius. Uh, he didn't really have anything for the 2020s. Matt Patron didn't. Tim Faust, uh, 2010s, I have no opinion. 2020s, won't this sport finally die? So a lot of these answers are in the same vein. Steve Cervillo, 2010's women's match main eventing a WWE pay-per-view. 2020's progression of AEW, MLW, and the return of some territorial promotions. So, uh, we get to the fellows at the table here. Here's my answer. Uh, 2010's streaming gave Vinnie Mac the network that he always craved, but being one of the pioneers in entertainment streaming killed his near monopoly when smaller promotions utilized the platform to level the playing field and bring back actual competition. Wrestling's merger into nerd culture combined with the Bullet Club becoming a thing in pop culture helped set the stage for AEW to become the first WWE's first real competition in 18 years. 2020, structurally, this decade will be just like where pro wrestling was in 1986 when the death of the territories was still in an early stage with two big promotions at the top, a couple more like Mid-South, the AWA, and World Class a few levels down. And many smaller promotions on the level where Portland, Memphis, Florida, and Alabama were, except the ones on the second and third groupings will be healthier because they will be in a growth stage as opposed to the shrinking of all territories throughout the 80s. So, okay, those are my thoughts. Any any thoughts on those thoughts? Thoughts on the thoughts? Yeah. Um, my, my answer for the 2010s, as others have noted, was the... Elevation of the women's matches yes. that have been around. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I said on here that uh, I don't remember. I can't remember the last match that involved pudding, right? Or involved, um, you know, bikini dance contests or any of that sort of Double thing. Fights. They don't do that anymore, right? Maybe that's to the Me Too things and the sexual harassment stuff and whatever else that could be part of it. Okay, um, that people are standing up for themselves and saying, "Hey, I don't, ha I don't have to do this." we can actually go out and put on a real match. Yeah. Um, and to some extent, they prove that they can put on a match. Right. All of them? No. 
but I don't think all the guys can put on a great match either. Right. Um, where's it going to go? I think you have a really big thing of can there be multiple promotions that work at the same time? Mm-hmm. Um, you could even make the case back in the day of whether WCW was a legitimate competitor to WWE for a long time until you know the late late nineties or whatever when mm-hmm. the NWO was around and they were actually making a difference. But what mm-hmm. did they do? They brought in people from the other promotion and built themselves up. Right. The one that's going on now, whether it's AEW or Impact or whatever, they're living on the impact, no pun intended, mm-hmm. of what these people did in another promotion. Right. My thing will be, well, can you build your own? Can you have your yeah. your Bill Goldberg, your um, you know whoever, that come out of your own promotion rather than living on the success of a star in another one? Well, yeah, and that's where in Chris Jericho, who ironically, uh, and this this guy's lived more lives than just about anybody, went from WCW to WWE in 1999 and became one of the you know, defecting stars that, that got onto a bigger and more successful stage there. You, you do have Jericho, he's the world champion, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, as far as the announcers go, so there's some of that. But actually, some of the criticism that's been made of AEW in the early going is, Again, most of us, unless we've watched New Japan, and I really haven't watched that much of it, you, you hear, you know, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, uh, whatever, to whatever extent, Cody, for the amount of time he was in New Japan, but, you know, we know more from WWE, but Cody and the Young Bucks and these other guys coming in, oh, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, but they're they're trying to, and it's the right thing probably, they're building up other new talent, but they're also watering down their own names coming in, because these are not names that we've seen they're not names coming from WWE. We've only heard that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. So it's a challenge to build up new stars with the equity that you have there. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any promotion starting with all brand new people mm-hmm. being successful. Right. It just won't happen. And Dean Ambrose, who is now John Moxley, becoming another guy who is an important cornerstone of what they've got there. But they've clearly got pieces that they can elevate up subsequently, whether it be Darby Allen. Uh, or, or some of somebody. I mean, he's the first one that kind of jumps out at me. Uh, there might be a ceiling on what you can get out of Orange Cassidy, for example, with some of his stuff. But you know, they've they've got some guys that have some room to grow. Uh, Johnny, you said uh, in the 2010s back on network TV. So uh, particularly there at the end of the decade, uh, Fox picking them up and putting them on Friday nights. That is huge. Uh, and then in the 2020s with uh, pay-per-view with China and India and the expansion into the global markets. And WWE is very, very focused on that, on trying to go globally and build their brands up in so many different places. And, uh, again, they have TV deals all over the world, but being able to really kind of monetize it in those places. I'd even read some years ago that uh, John Cena, as he was morphing into more becoming a company ambassador, even learned Mandarin. Yes. So he could go over there and do mm-hmm. some media mm-hmm. appearances mm-hmm. a little bit more. So I, I think your your thing about where it's going in the 2010s with globalization, I think you're right on the money. Well, I do, and it is nice. It's refreshing to see it back on network TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I wish it's, it was a better product. Yeah, but. <laughs> but, well, and, and it is it is nice the addition of uh, more intense uh, uh, women's matches mm-hmm. on more on the forefront is fine. Uh, it's actually really good. It adds to the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
You know, and, I, and I'm seeing this in writing, the, the China-India markets, I do think things are going more global. The whole China thing is going to be very interesting in mm -hmm. terms of all of our sports, you know, going into there. Yeah. Will be interesting. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little competition, so I would like to see somebody rise up and give the WWE a little bit of a opportunity. So we'll, you know, to, 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 to compete a little bit. And, give and there's an easy answer, by the way, of it. why is it on network TV? It has been a solid ratings number mm -hmm. for 30 or 40 years on cable. Yeah. Okay? No matter what anybody thinks of anything, or, oh, this is silly, or whatever else, it gets a number. Mm -hmm. It gets ratings. Yeah. Fox has jumped on that and said, we're going to take this number that you get and put it on broadcast, mm -hmm. where, by the way, it's going to be twice the number than it is on cable, mm -hmm. just because of the amount of people who have a television. Right. And, you know, if they can, in their case, legitimize it or whatever they want to do. Remember, network TV back in the, when it, in its infancy, was built on wrestling. Right. You know, and I know it has a, you know, people think it's hokey, it's this, it's silly, it's for little kids, whatever. It's got, you know, it's a fun following. Uh, we've all attended matches. We've all mm -hmm. gone to the arenas to watch. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, a I, I don't know if it has a stigma for, as beer throwing and this and that, but uh, it's, it's a, it's fa very family friendly, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, particularly it's, it's on, the, on the bigger levels, they're fun events. You you go to some of the smaller levels, and it's not necessarily as much. It's not necessarily a kids crowd when you go to some of the sure, the small, sure, but sure. but yeah, you're right. In the, in the big time, it is safe to take kids there, and that's one of the things where if you're looking at the 2010s, I guess that could be another development because it was late in the previous decade. Ron, the whole Benoit thing happening, that, that tragedy, that was in the very mm -hmm. early days of the lounge. But so what came out of that and what really took root in this past decade, much to the displeasure of a lot of us folks, was the PGization of the product mm -hmm. and how you do it in a thing like that. And unfortunately, in the whole ham-handed kind of way of doing things, making it in a way that didn't alienate sponsors Oh, let's do hokey humor and this and that, and whatever, and like the, the the kind of reshaping that it took on as they got away from it. because people associate the Attitude Era just with you know the the turn of the century and whatever. There were elements of it the the, the ruthless aggression era. You know, there were elements that dragged on through oh five oh six almost up to the time of Benoit. You had I mean the the Katie Vick thing I think was in oh two. So that was post-Attitude Era. They kept doing what people would consider to be distasteful things well past the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. But it was the way that they turned on a dime to make everything, the humor and everything, so hokey. I think that that's what people crapped on, and that's where I think people were dying for an alternative. And that may be where, you know, second and third promotions end up, because one will go more, sorry, another pun, extreme mm -hmm. uh, than others, is because, well, we'll bring this part back of it because this is what people like and yeah. and whatever else. And there are people right now who will tell you that they don't like their stereotype stories of, you know, someone's marriage breaking up right. or uh, this possible, um, you know, gay storyline that may happen or mm -hmm. whatever else. And actually, what one of the things that's ruining this, I think, a lot of this is the Internet and their dirt sheets, mm -hmm. their rumors, their whatever, their spoilers, is we can never lose the fact that it is entertainment. Right. If you were going to see Endgame for the mm -hmm. Avengers, and somebody put out, and you had to read it, here's what's going to happen. Do you, 
do you necessarily have to go see the movie again? If I know... Now, we all pretty much... You could guess, oh, the Avengers are going to win. Very rarely does the good guy lose. I think Empire Strikes Back maybe where it's the last one that I can think of a lot of where the good guy didn't win. Right, right. right. They really got their head handed to them at the end. Um, But normally that's going to be what happens. We all pretty much knew that the Avengers are going to win. Same kind of thing with Star Wars that was out where you would sit there and go, well, what what do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're going to tie it up in a nice bow and the Empire is going to win? I don't see that happening. But there's enough people out there with dirt sheets of, I'm going to break your secret, I'm going to break these things. Yep. That can be something that's going to ruin stuff for, you're ruining an entertainment story. Yeah. You're not breaking this like this is real sports news. It's interesting to watch what WWE is doing now that we're reporting about contract status. Yes. And now they're not doing injuries yet. Right. So they're not going to that part of sports. But here's your contract status. Here's what really happened why this person was off for five months. Were you off because of a knee injury or were you off because of your drunk driving conviction? Right. You know, they're actually mentioning these things on different shows and whatever else now. Um, Yep. So it's interesting that they try and bring in a little bit more sports. You notice SmackDown runs a ticker at the bottom now? Yeah. You know, they run a sports ticker at the bottom to make it more like sports. Yeah. And it, it'll all come about that people will get used to it and they'll enjoy it. Um, was it, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago when Impact was on Fox Sports? Yeah. And they ran it with a clock. Yeah. And it was like, what's a, what are you doing with a clock? Clocks yeah. don't belong on wrestling. Get this out of here. Right. Now suddenly that's all back. Hmm, that's interesting. So it all comes about. Um, yeah. I worked in the business when we started what we called the Fox Box. Mm-hmm. The score box at the bottom of your screen. That's right. People screamed. They called us and, I'm going to cancel my cable. I hate this. Get mm-hmm. rid of this stuff. Nowadays, if the Fox Box goes away, which it can for various computer issues, people call us and scream, where's my Fox Box? I, can't, I don't know what yeah. the score is. They can't live without it. You're absolutely right. Stuff and that's changes. Where, well, and on everything old is new again. Late in the decade of the 2010s, we'll see how far it goes into the 2020s. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to catch any of this yet. The revival of old-school studio wrestling, Billy Corgan's new-slash-old NWA. Every week on YouTube, 6.05 on a Tuesday, it drops on YouTube. And uh, there's, there's not a whole hell of a lot of wrestlers on there that I would really care about seeing in a vacuum. But the way they present it... Yeah, damned if it isn't to me one of the best hours of, of, of well, TV you can watch. That's almost what NXT is. Yeah. Because it's mm-hmm. always at the same place in Florida. Right. Shot at the same thing. Right. Although this is They do go do their tours and, and whatever, but right. you know, it's always from well, like these guys, they've even got the international flags hanging from the rafters and stuff like that. They try they got the crowd where it sounds like the old studio. You can even hear the individual cat calls and stuff. So they're going even further with it than NXT is. And it's just the, the full-on embrace of nostalgia, everything old is new again. But it's a thing where you were talking about the insider stuff. And no better example of that than this backstage show that they're doing mm-hmm. on, on Fox. That's exactly what yeah. I was referring to as you watch yes. this stuff. On FS1, and here's the thing, though. But there are internal contradictions that they're having to come to grips with. And part of it is when, when, when Fox signs a noted loose cannon like CM Punk to be part of that show. And then CM Punk, uh, who has real-life beef with some of these folks, 
uh, ends up going off on the Miz on Twitter, deletes it, but basically is going off on him and calling him a scumbag and making references to taking blood money from Saudi Arabia. Well, something tells me they're not going to be talking about that on Backstage anytime soon. The controversies about going there and propping up a murderous regime in Saudi Arabia and all the compromises that come with that. Yeah, so they can be as faux insider as they want to be, but it's always going to be more faux than insider because that's the kind of thing they're never going to touch, where their money's coming from. Well, it's going to be geared to their perspective. And, yes. And that's true whether it's wrestling or anything else. Is yes. People are going to gear it toward your perspective. You know, you don't hear the NFL talking about concussions today. That's right. Uh, but you will see uh, a bunch of PSAs about them helping the kids and creating safer helmets and whatever else. So it's geared toward what they want to hear and what they want to promote and not exactly. so much everything. Yeah. So and that's wrestling what works the same way. Yeah. It's, it's a work. It's always going to be a work. But what forms it takes, you know, I'm enjoying watching AEW. I'm enjoying watching NXT. This is a day where I think you and I, as we're doing this, are actually missing it live. But uh, NXT UK having their most recent uh, pay-per-view, if that's what you want to call it, even though it's on the network. And... I don't know how much you've gotten a chance to see it, but the, the NXT UK stuff, whenever I've watched it, has never disappointed. So, it truly, basically, anything that doesn't have Vince's direct thumbprint on it is pretty much quality as far as what they put out. That may be your biggest change for 2020, is mm -hmm. Vince not running it. Yeah. Um, as he know. gets more into the XFL and, Well, as know. he gets more than, what is he, in his mid-70s? Yeah. You know, at yeah. some point... He may not be able to do all the traveling and do all, go to all the shows and, and have his thumbprint on everything. So he's going to have to trust that his kids or his grandkids or other people are going to be able to continue his promotional vision. And that's where we talked about MMA or those other things. They could use a promotional mind yep. behind some of the things that they do. Maybe not the showmanship, but definitely the spectacle. Yes. Uh, because one UFC fight really looks a lot like any other UFC fight. Yes. It's the same octagon, it's the same two guys or the same two girls beating the crap out of each other, and then what happens? You yeah. don't know. And yeah. that's where they could probably use a promotional mind like that. They could. They could. And as far as Vince and the future of him and, and the company, I mean, not to be morbid, but there's no other way to say it. How many roids can you take till one day your heart just finally explodes? I mean, it's happened to other people. So, you know, I, I continue to be amazed almost at, at every day that that man remains on this earth. Uh, so, uh, again, not, not wishing him any particular ill, because that's bad karma. But, again, the, the promotions that he's less involved with within his own promotion, because they're basically a, a collection of promotions at this point. There's mm -hmm. basically five of them if you want to count the earth. Well, uh, I don't know about five, because uh, I think uh, 205 Live has been subsumed by NXT, but four of them if you it's count... It's a show. Yeah, NXT UK, if you count that as being separate. But that's something I would have said a couple of years ago as far as being a trend, that they're moving more to the old NWA model of territories within an entity... But now there's actual competition out there in the form of AEW. We'll see if MLW ever gets a better TV deal. There's rumors at this moment that they might. So a lot of it is, you know, where wrestling remains out there in the spectrum of things. Uh, again, uh, neither completely sports nor completely entertainment. That sort of rump in between. And we always enjoy talking about it on the show. So want to thank you guys for being here as well as being uh, really ultimately the Iron Men of today. Uh, so we started with a panel of five, uh, but this was a multi-hour procedure to get through six segments. 
down to just the three of us. So, uh, Ron, I know it's your first time being on a Pantheon panel. Uh, well, this is, again, this is not the Pantheon per se, but Pantheon adjacent, same format. Johnny, you've done these before. Uh, very grateful to both of you guys for being here and getting a chance to do this with us. Okay. Yeah, great time, as always. Wonderful. Thank you guys both so much. Thank you guys for checking out our six-part series, looking back at the 2010s and ahead at the 2020s and celebrating the 13-year anniversary of the FDH Lounge.